The prophetic evangelism movement is growing. Groups of young people are pouring out in the streets, coffee shops, and shopping malls, listening to the Holy Spirit as He directs them to speak with people, knowing their identity as sons and daughters, and recognizing the moment they've come to. They are rising up in compassion and confidence and releasing unneeded witness, using revelatory gifts of words of knowledge and becoming the prophetic voice of God to people who may never have stepped into a church. By stepping into this convergence moment, they are praying for people and leading them to the Lord. Could this lead to a new Jesus people movement? Is history repeating itself? Should we expect a greater harvest than previous generations? In this episode of Keep It 100, we will have a deeper dive into the conversation of prophetic evangelism, the new Jesus people movement, and hear from missionary revivalist Jesse Green. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, hey, what's good, everybody? This is your boy, Sean Smith. Welcome to another episode of Keep It 100. As we announced last week, Krista's taking a mini break. She will be back on the next episode. But hey, I got you. I'm taking you in. We are continuing this conversation and theme on prophetic evangelism, which I just believe is so important because really prophetic evangelism is what evangelism ought to look like. Jesus is the face of evangelism and he was led of the spirit and he modeled really, I believe, one of the major keys to prophetic evangelism and it's simply this. Prophetic evangelism flows from living in vital connection with God. And what we see in here, God doing, we join in and he invites us to be a part of the miracle in other people's lives. But hey, we're going to talk more about that later. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. We had a great one. Family, everybody loving Jesus, presents, all that stuff. I'm looking forward to this next year. I'm sure you are too. Some years you come to the end of and you're thinking it was a good year. And other times you're thinking, hey, I'm ready for a new year. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a new year. Last year was blessed. I'm believing next year will be more blessed. You know, as I'm kind of thinking about what has happened in prophetic evangelism, recently I had to go to the Apple store. And as I was at the Apple store, I had to update and get a new iPad. As I was talking to this young gal, she came over. And so we were just talking a little bit. She worked at the store and she was helping me. So I ended up really getting a chance at a juncture in a conversation. You could keep it light. You could keep it professional. You could keep it, hey, you know, it's a holiday time. I'm in a hurry. You got people lining up in this store. It's crazy in Apple Store, y'all. Or you could say, hey, I could take the opportunity and say, hey, maybe I really am strategic in the placement by God who is sovereign in this young gal's life. So I just started sharing with her about Jesus, started talking to her. She started opening up. Before it was all over, uh, she asked if I knew of a young adults group, which I did at the church that I go to. I was connecting her to go to young adults. And I just thought, hey, you know, all it was was an Apple store, but just took time. I didn't necessarily get a word of knowledge for But the thing about if you have the heart of evangelist, whether you get a prophetic word or not, you are a prophetic word. That's simply truth. That's facts, y'all. No cap. That God puts you in position, intersects your lives with others for the simple fact that you are a prophetic word. Also, I was at a UFC fight uh, of some friends of ours, and uh, it was so awesome because a, a lady walked up to me as we were over this house, and there were people there, small intimate gathering, watching the UFC fight, and all of a sudden getting a conversation with a gal. Next thing you know, she's fully asking me questions about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we go from there, and then we end up praying for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit as other couples witnessed and looked on, prayed for another lady for healing. And this 
young gals baptized in the Holy Ghost at the end of a UFC fight. The glory of God hit this house. And I started thinking, God, you're so awesome. You allow us to be a part of this un unfolding miracle that's taking place. You know, scholars tell us that the book of Acts never had a formal conclusion. And I believe the reason for that is that we're still part of that book of Acts. I, I believe the canon of scripture is closed. Okay. So don't nobody get crazy on me and come at me. But I believe that God is still active via the Holy Ghost in his people. Now, kind of segue into something else right now. Uh, even though Chris is not here, I just want to give a shout out. Her book, Singled Out in a Couple's World, is out. It's available. You could get it. Uh, I also released a book, uh, Prophetic Evangelism. It is now out. You could get it. We didn't plan it this way that we'd both be releasing new books, but it worked out that way. Uh, you could get it at www.shawnandkristasmith.com or you could go to Amazon. If you go to also, my wife has an eight-part e-course that goes along with their book. You may want to look into that. And I will also be releasing an eight-part e-course on prophetic evangelism. So by the way, Krista will be back next episode to join us. Now, I kind of want to shift as we're talking about prophetic evangelism. One of the things that I also love is times where there have been awakenings. There have been moves of God where people got saved, people got lit for Jesus, the encounters of God, the miracles of God have come. And you know, ironically, as I'm looking at the turbulence of the times that we live in and all the stuff that's happened, I mean, we're living in one of the most chaotic, turbulent, divisive. People literally are confused. Uh, there's chaos. We, we've got diseases. We've got divisions. Uh, we've got all kind of things that are taking place right now. And I started thinking about, you know, there was a similar period uh, in America's history, and it really wasn't that long ago. And it was in the late 1960s, early 1970s. It also marked one of the most tumultuous periods in American history. There were anti-war protests. It had reached a fever pitch. It, it literally culminated in a near warlike confrontation at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Same time that there were successes of the civil rights movement, they were threatened by the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King in April of the same year. Uh, this underlying cultural friction combined with like the sexual revolution, significant increase in access to psychedelic drugs gave a rise to this emerging counterculture that rejected what it viewed as mainstream America. And yet, despite this season of uncertainty and transition, a revival would emerge from the midst of this counterculture that would profoundly remake much of the American Christian landscape. One of the most enduring legacies of the period came to be identified as the Jesus People Movement. It got featured on the covers of magazines like Time and Life, the beliefs and practices of the Jesus People Movement. It literally, you guys, defined a generation of disenfranchised youth. And yet, how unlikely a counterculture movement that was Christian, mind you, went mainstream. Undoubtedly, a couple things come to mind. Few would have picked a culture defined in the popular conscious by its embrace of sex, drugs, rock and roll as the ground out of which a revival and a movement of young hippie Christians would grow. Second of all, so many in the Jesus People movement employed the longings of the counterculture and its inability to satisfy as a springboard to share the gospel. So they were leading people to the Lord left and right. And you know, the interesting thing about the Jesus People movement is it largely drew from Pentecostalism, the spear-filled movement. The majority of the Jesus People movement developed really a belief that emphasized supernatural experiences, spiritual gifts, prophecy, tongues, 
and just that God could show up anywhere, anytime, encounters, prophetic words from God became almost the expected as a means uh, amongst the early Jesus people, uh, leaders, and reflecting on early days of street evangelism, one guy named Kent Philpock remembered, I heard God telling me to go to the hippies in San Francisco. The very next night, about eight o'clock, he said, I drove into the city, found Hate Ashbury District started walking around, and as a result of that, he saw people get saved. These supernatural experiences were not only normative across the movement, I really believe these were the early kind of modern glimpses of prophetic evangelism. And I believe these eerie similarities of this moment and that one 50 years ago, which was a flashpoint, might be prophesying something powerful and imminent. And with that, I'm so excited, Keep It 100. I want you to get ready. We have an interview, Jesse Green of Saturate Global. Check it out as we get a chance to sit down and talk. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you are in for an amazing blessing right now. We have Jessie Green here. She is an amazing author. She has written a book entitled Wildfire, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Jessie, what's going on, girl? How you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm like freaking out a little bit. I'm just so excited to just get people fired up about what is happening and what God's doing. It's, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> Listeners, uh, Jesse and I, we were just talking just before we came on live with you guys. And I'm telling you what, she carries such a fire. I, I don't I don't know when was the last time I've been this excited <laughs> to have someone on and to talk about a subject. I, I You and your husband, we just feel this, uh, you know, the old old school terminology, kindred spirit, but we just felt like we vibed, you know, totally. when we, were, we were together and, and respected you from a distance. She's going to share some stories, you guys. So I'm telling you what, you're going to want to listen to this whole entire thing. Well, Jesse, let's just begin here. We love to do this thing on Keep It 100 where we talk about origin stories. Like uh, I, I, I joke and like how many different origin stories of Spider-Man are we going to get? Like, how, how many different? <laughs> they're actually bringing all of them together, right? But what is your origin story as, as a revivalist, evangelist, prophetic, missiologist? You're, you're a lot of things that have a lot of great titles. Uh, what is your origin story? Yeah, I actually, I grew up in the church, um, grew up with a single mom. She got my mom actually got saved and baptized when she was pregnant with me, which is just a really cool connection to what I'm doing now. And uh, um, loved God as a child. And then we ended up moving, and we ended up going to a church, the only church in town, when I was in middle school. And they did not have the Holy Spirit in the church. They never taught about that. I just knew rules and religion. So I ended up going to college in Miami and just being like, I'm done with church. I'm done with Christian. Christianity. I just don't think this stuff works. And I just kept thinking, you know, church is like limiting me and I'm just going to go after the things in the world and make a glamorous life for myself. Um, so I ended up going to University of Miami in Florida and working in the nightclub industry there, working at Fashion Week, um, and then ended up getting a job in New York City in Manhattan and working as a doorman and promoter with one of the top nine nightclub industries in New York. And it was a wild ride. I mean, I became friends with celebrities that everyone would know about. And my whole job really essentially was to curate the crowd inside and decide who comes in, who doesn't, who's worthy of the grand <laughs> party, right? And I I was traveling first class around the world and dating a multimillionaire. And I had crazy 
crazy depression, crazy suicidal thoughts, was doing cocaine every night to stay up to, because the nightclubs in New York are open till like 5, 6 a.m. So doing cocaine through the night to stay up and then be in the office at 11 a.m. And I just honestly just came to the end of myself. And I remember just some of the lessons I learned in church growing up. And I always feel like I tell people, I'm like, if you have a prodigal out there, like, let me be the signpost for you that anything is possible. Because I don't honestly even know why, but one night I just cried out to God. And I just said, God, if you're real, like if you're actually really real, you've got to take this pain away. Like you've actually got to do something. And literally, Sean, the power and presence of God came into my New York City apartment. I freaked out. I was so scared. I threw the blankets over my head. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, God is real. I'm totally scared right now. (laughs) And I just was like, I could feel how holy he was. And I was like, okay, if God's really real, then this is probably the most important thing in the world. And so I just have an extreme personality. And so I quit my job. I broke up with my boyfriend. I signed up for a year-long missions trip. And I went to the REI store with five-inch stiletto heels. And I was like, I need a backpack. I'm going to be a missionary. And they were like, are you sure? And I just honestly went on this journey of just being obsessed with Jesus, real Jesus, and being becoming filled with the Holy Spirit and seeing this radical life that's available to every single one of us. And I just became obsessed with, with Jesus and sharing him with other people, to be honest. And that was kind of my journey. That is so incredible, Jess. And one of the things that, I, I mean, I love everything you said, but, you know, it was kind of like, you know, that rich young ruler, you know, <laughs> But what if totally. the rich what if the rich young ruler would have said yes you know the point of releasing and selling it all selling out you know when you find that treasure that pearl you just sell out but I love the fact that you cried out for the real Jesus and he shows up in your room I love that because <laughs> I think encounter I, I kind of feel like part of this thing of evangelism the reason why it's difficult for some is that I think they've not fully maybe met or opened the door of their heart to fully encounter Jesus because I feel like there's a holy intoxication that you have with Jesus. And when that happens, you know, you're willing to sell out and go all the way. You know, as you did that thing where you just sold everything essentially and went on a year and just on on missions and training, what is it do you think for you, Jesse, that grips your heart as it relates to the harvest? How how has that been? If if you will, it it feels when I'm talking to you like the world is tattooed on your heart. Like how did that happen for you? Yeah, I'm going to make sure I don't cry this whole podcast podcast because I it really is emotional for me. I think like everyone told me like that first year when I got saved, they're like, okay, you're just on fire because you're a brand new Christian. This is what it's like. Even doing missions, a lot of missionaries are experiencing burnout. And I got to say, I, I've never experienced burnout. I I'll, I really just, and I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit for this, but I've never forgotten that like real feeling of what it was like to not have God and to see the difference 
difference now and to know that like I can talk to the creator of the universe about how to pay my bills each month or I can really like have a relationship with the person that loves me unconditionally that forgives me of every sin and I was walking in so much darkness and for me it felt like the deal was too good to be true and so for me I you know, I say something all the time, Shauna, and it's pretty controversial, but you kind of already led to it. So I'm just going to go there. But I always tell people, I'm like, really ask yourself, you know, if you're not sharing the gospel, if you're not wanting to tell people about Jesus, perhaps maybe that's like a indicator in your heart that maybe you haven't really fully met him. Because the reality is this, if you really truly have met him, if you really know him, it is like that pearl of great price. It is like, I, I actually, I love that you mentioned the rich young ruler because I think about him all the time and I read that scripture and I just start weeping because I'm like, he just didn't know who was standing right in front of him. And so I just think, I actually love to ask people like, when's the last time you shared the gospel? If it hasn't been recently, then ask God to reveal himself deeper to you because maybe you don't really, really know what's available to you. Wow. Oh my God, Jesse. I'm like, you got me wanting to cry and holler here. Anyway, I think your point yeah. is so profound. Have you really met him? Because, hey, if I if I go to a, a restaurant and it's slamming, man, all my friends, everybody, I'm, I'm naturally <laughs> a salesman, I guess. I don't know. But I'm so enamored, so compelled, so overwhelmed by this man, Christ Jesus, that it's hard to shut me. You get me talking about the Lord. It's like, boom. <laughs> Totally. Jesse, I, I really feel like you and your husband really feel like you guys are a sign. Now, I was reading in your book, Wildfire, that because I think this is so profound, you, you said that the Lord spoke to you, I think it was in the summer of 2020, that the harvest is on. Can you yeah. kind of, I don't, and, and correct me if I didn't quote yeah. you right on that. Talk to yeah. me, talk to us about that. So it's so funny because we have so many conversations with people that are trying to work out their identity, their calling. I, I always say, I'm like, you know, if you have an identity and calling conference, you're going to sell out because people are always trying to figure that stuff out, right? And we were actually, my husband and I met in New York City. We were pastoring in New York and I was just like doing street evangelism in New York all the time, dead set of winter, just like burning for New York. And my husband and I were in the middle of doing a fast. And during the fast, God would not leave us alone about California. And this was 2016. And we have this like family question that we ask all the time. And it's, it's Jesus plus nothing. Like, is Jesus enough for us? Like not ministry, not attention, not finance, not provision, not blessing. Like if he never did any of that, like is he alone just enough? And so we just felt like God was asking us to lay down everything, um, our ministry jobs, our apartment, everything, and moved to California. And the last week of the fast, I saw a vision. And I I, I only had been to Orange County once in my whole life. And I saw a vision of Huntington Beach. I didn't know about the Jesus People Movement. I didn't know about revival. Like, I wasn't passionate about revival. Um, and I saw this vision of Huntington Beach and thousands of people being baptized. And the Lord said to me, he said, Jesse, I am starting revival and you'll get to be a part of it. And he said, the next revival will require the equipping of the saints. It's all hands on deck. And I was like, this was all new language for me. Like, I was like, what are the saints? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> 
And so we ended up moving to California in 2016 and just doing street evangelism. Um, We started a church in our apartment in Huntington Beach. And I got to tell you, Sean, so I have this vision. We move out there. We lay everything down and nothing is happening. Like I stood on a bench, a cement bench in Huntington Beach, and I was like, I'm going to preach and share the gospel. And there's going to be thousands of people here, just like the Lord said, no one got saved, like zero people. And we were seeing way more people saved in New York. And so I was like, oh my gosh, did we hear from God wrong? Like in regards to favor and anointing and blessing, like we had way more in New York. And every time I'd pray, I would just hear God say, just continue to trust him, just the little things. And we adopted a new family motto, which was called um, obedience is success. And we would just say that in our house because... Because there was no other success except for knowing that we were being obedient. And so we were doing that. And then actually, it was just a random day in prayer in 2019. This is pre-COVID, Sean, which is why I love it. I love how it's like, oh, there's so much prophetic insight in all of it. I could go on for hours. But 2019, the Lord says to me, he just drops it in me, like in just a regular prayer time, like nothing special. He just drops down and he goes, the harvest begins summer 2020. And I was like, waiting, wait, like when you wait in expectation for a vision to come to pass, you're like on the edge of your seat. So we're we're doing street evangelism and like little things are happening. And then all of a sudden I get this drop from God and I know that I heard from him. So I start emailing and calling every single church I can in Orange County, like literally just Googling them. My husband starts smoking brisket, inviting them over for dinner. No one knows who we are. Like we're totally like in hidden. No one, like we have no backing or anything like that. No name. And we're just like, listen, there's going to be a harvest. There's going to be a harvest. Like, do you guys do evangelism? Can we train you in evangelism? So then we thought we were going to do like, I'll be honest, like a power and love thing. Like Todd White, we're going to rent out the Hilton on PCH and we're going to have in all these speakers and it was going to be this amazing like evangelism conference. Everything gets shut down because of lock, like the lockdown. COVID shuts down everything. We had gotten 20 church partners. We lost half of them. And I was just like, what are we going to do? And then I'll keep a very long story short, but God just said to me, he goes, Jesse Green, I am not a liar. The harvest begins summer 2020. He's like, you think I didn't know what was going to happen? And so we canceled all of our plans. And we just said to everyone, we said, we're just showing up on the beach July 3rd, and we're just going to be there. And we're just going to share the gospel. And literally hundreds and hundreds of people came each week. The LA Times came five times. They never wrote one negative article about us. We were baptizing reporters that were coming to to speak against us. (laughs) They were literally like, one reporter came and he goes, I honestly came to write a negative report about how you guys were hurting people. He goes, I've never experienced love like this. He goes, I had five different people pray for me. And he goes, can I get baptized? And I was like, what is happening? 
Oh my goodness. Jesse, that is so amazing. I mean, I literally, you hear stories about this in like the Welsh revival. You hear stories of, about, you know, people that came to attack in Mariah Woodworth Edder meetings right. that people would come literally to physically violently do something and then they would just freeze in a trance, fall out <laughs> of the power, get back up, saved. I mean, literally. And, and the coolest thing about it is that I think, you know, when it comes to evangelism, prophetic evangelism, harvesting missions, I think one of the things that that has hurt us in, in North American Christianity is that we get glued to comfort and comfort zones. And, totally. and I feel like uh, in this season right now, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that we have to leave our comfort zones to get to the zone of the comforter. Obviously, the comforter, capital C, Holy Spirit. And the, the reports of what God was doing were reverberating through the body of Christ. We're in Northern California, Chris and I. We were hearing reports. We were cheering you guys on. We actually wanted to come down there and we, we didn't know your schedule or anything, but just see what was going on. But it literally signals that even during this whole thing, because I think so many people get panicked and I feel like evangelism right now is easy, if I could say that. I mean, hearts are open and even people, hearts that are hardened, because I, I submit to people, you can have a hard heart, but have an open heart, as crazy as that sounds. Like we think that if your heart's hard, sin hardens you, but right. the, the circumstances surrounding you and the moving of the Holy Spirit can begin to make your heart open, meaning that you're, you're open knowing that you've reached the end of yourself. And and so as I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm saying people have had faith because people say, well, how could you have faith in invisible God? Well, we have faith in invisible virus, COVID-19. That has altered the world. Hey, you've had faith in an invisible virus. Let me tell you about faith in an invisible God who has who supersedes any virus. Of course, he sits on the throne. And, and I love that. What evidence to you? I've kind of shared a couple of my thoughts, but what is the evidence that you see that the, the harvest is ripe right now? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like that's like one of the main messages in my heart right now when I go to preach at churches and stuff. I feel like I sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm like this voice crying out in the wilderness, but I'm like, come on, guys, because the thing is, I don't know how long this window's open for Sean, and I just don't want us to miss it. I can like feel this weightiness um, from God that we there is an urgency right now to what he's even allowing to happen. And the harvest really is ripe in the sense of, okay, so for the last 10 years, I've been doing street evangelism. And I always say, I'm like, you can ask an evangelist if it's harvest time or not, like truly in the sense, because like an evangelist is going to go out and share the gospel all the time anyway. So if one person's getting saved or millions, like they're still going to just be out there because it's burning in them. And so when an evangelist is like, no, it's truly harvest season, I'm like, listen to what they're saying. Because, you know, for years, there'd be times where if we saw 20 people saved in an afternoon, we were freaking out. Like we'd be on the streets in New York, like this was a huge day. Like 20 people in Union Square were saved. Like this was amazing. There was so much resistance. We'd go to Huntington Beach and see one or two people saved and we'd be cheering and celebrating because it was like, oh, thank God, like one or two people came. I'm telling you now, it is the easiest time. If you don't even know what you're saying and you're just like, God loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to set you free. Do you have depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. He wants to set you free. People are so desperate for any kind of hope right now that you don't even have to be prophetic. You can literally just say like base Christianity and Jesus loves you. And we're seeing people get saved in droves. I mean, we went to Huntington Beach Pier last year. We were out there and we just did an hour of evangelism and we baptized 27 people in an hour. And I'm 
telling you, it's not normally like that. I don't know how long this window we have open is open for. Um, but I'm like, listen, if you are nervous about sharing the gospel, ask the Holy Spirit to remove that nervousness and just get out there and do it. Um, Because it really is, people are so desperate. And I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of stories, as I'm sure you and Chris would do, of people that are like, thank you so much that you stepped out in boldness and intervened on my day because people are really suffering right now. And I mean, we've we've interrupted people on in their tracks on their way to kill themselves, on the way to get a divorce. I mean, we, we've seen a, a few hundred marriages restored because of the power of the gospel. And so I'm just like, I'm just going to be blunt. If you're a Christian and you're listening, I mean, to withhold the gospel in this hour and look at the news, look at social media, and then think that you're not going to share the gospel. I, I just think like, are you not afraid that God's not going to ask you what you did with what he gave you? And I, for me, I'm like, I, I want to hear like, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear like during a global pandemic, you you didn't say anything. <laughs> so You know, what you're saying, Jesse, is so profound. But I remember we would have what the world would say. I would never say this, but what the world would say, some of the nerdiest folks, and they would win like jock, sorority girl, knockout, because it was never really about what the world right. looks at as influence. It's really about you possessing the heart of Jesus, having that encounter and being willing to cross, kind of we used to say in the hood, the chicken line. You got to cross the chicken line. And the totally. truth be told, people are doing that all the time, but for things that have no et- eternal significance. And so I, I just think it's so important. How, how, in your estimation, how can someone be more effective in sharing their faith? Yeah. I mean, it's not like sexy to say this, but I'm like just putting it in your calendar and scheduling it because I think sometimes we think, actually, I hear it all the time. I've discipled a lot of girls and um, we led churches in New York and California. And there's like this romanticized thing sometimes of like, well, I'm going to share the gospel when it's super organic and just the moment comes. And I'm like, you, you won't. Like, how many times have you done it in the last year? Like, how many times have those moments risen <laughs> to you? Because the reality is, is like, we we do have this flesh nature in ourselves that wants to prevent us from any kind of awkwardness or suffering or rejection. Like, we're kind of rejection adverse. And so you don't want to put yourself out there. But the reality is, I've found for myself, like the first few times I shared the gospel, I was so awkward. I didn't know what I was saying. I had like no theology. I didn't know what I was talking about. And I was so weird, but I knew that I knew that Jesus was real. And I trusted that even if I planted a seed, like he could do something with whatever seed I planted, even if it was like this crazy, like Jesus loves you. Okay, bye. Like he could do something with that. And the thing is, is that you'll start to find, I at least for me, I've experienced this and with some of the girls I've discipled that as you just calendarize it and say, okay, Mondays at 5 p.m., I'm going to just go out and share the gospel with as many people as I can for one hour. God, first of all, I think will back up that faithfulness. And if you actually go out and do it, like maybe nothing's going to happen the first 10 times, but you keep going out there. First of all, you're going to overcome fear of man. You're going to get set free in yourself. You're going to find out more of your identity and calling because you're not going to be bound by what the world thinks of you. So many people, I I think in our generation, are bound, like literally, like restricted 
restricted by what the world thinks of them. And I'm like, you'll never, no matter what your personality or calling is, you'll never fulfill it if you're in constant fear of what the world thinks. And so even that alone, I think it it, it pushes you like across that chicken line. And we see the world doing it all the time. Every entrepreneur will tell you that entrepreneurship requires risk. Financial gain requires risk. The stock market requires risk. Of course, then, the thing of the greatest value, which is the gospel, the king of kings, relationship, sanctification, justification, the greatest thing is going to have value. It's going to cost you something. And that very thing might be your fear. It might be your lack of ability. But I promise you, if you're listening right now, if you just start taking some of those risks and stepping out and just saying, you know, okay, God, give me a prophetic word. Show me something to say to someone. The coolest thing about the whole thing is, is you experience the presence of God and the love of God when you give it away. So it's like a win-win all around. You know, you're so true. There's a scripture for that. Philemon, obviously it's just one book. Well, Philemon says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, that you may be aware of every good gift. And so I always feel like whenever I get a chance to open up that, if you were that Christmas present of salvation, redemption for someone, as I see them unwrap their gift, it allows me to re-unwrap the gift of my salvation. (laughs) I get to relive. It's a vicarious thing when someone meets Jesus. I've never met a grumpy soul winner, like a true soul winner. I'm not not talking about the people that get on street corners and yell at folks with religious overtures. I'm, I'm talking about people that really love the loss, whether, you know, whether you're transient, whether you're a drug addict, whether you're being trafficked or whatever. I've never met a grumpy because you you get that joy over and over again. Absolutely. Jesse, in what, what ways would you, either in your experience or what you've noticed, what ways is there an overlap between prophecy and evangelism? Yeah, you know, I actually like really wrestled for a long time with the whole idea of prophecy and the prophetic. And I, I, I just was really confused by it all, to be honest. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out there and share the gospel. I'm just going to share that like Jesus died for their sins and rose again and just like make it super simple. But honestly, I, I think that if we can press into the relationship that we have with God, God gave me this vision and I'm going to just share it briefly. And I feel like it's a real key, at least for maybe a few people in regards to prophetic evangelism. So um, I was standing out on the beach and I honestly just felt like I was having a hard time winning the lost. It it was like nothing was working. And I had done door-to-door evangelism around my entire apartment complex and no one got saved. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. (laughs) And I feel like prophetic evangelism is the better way because the thing is, if you're like the dorkiest person ever or the coolest person ever, you release a word straight from heaven to someone, they don't care what you look like or what you're doing because they're getting an encounter straight from heaven. And so I had this vision once I was on the beach and I I saw all the sand in Huntington Beach and the Lord just told me to pick up a pile of sand. And I was like, okay, I pick up the sand and he was like, I want you to separate one tiny grain of sand from that pile. And I was like, okay. So I like did it and it's obviously almost impossible to do because it all sticks together. And I got like one little 
little tiny grain. And then I saw this person walking across the pier and the Lord was like, that little grain of sand, that's just one of the many thoughts I have about that person. He's like, I want you to just go up to them and give them one grain. That's all I need you to do, just one little grain. And he goes, and watch what happens when you give that one grain, there'll be more to come because they stick together. And so I just started asking God for one little word for someone, even a little tiny thing. And then the cool thing, Sean, is is as you open up your mouth and, like, and start talking to the person, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts downloading to you all this other stuff. I'd be saying stuff and I'm like, I don't even know how this is happening. It's just all coming out. I didn't have this plan beforehand. They're crying. I'm crying. We're all crying together. That is so true. Oh my God. And I think it goes back to this. Some people need to hit refresh on their connection with Christ. And I, I kind of yeah. feel like that's what COVID and the whole pandemic that we're still trying to emerge out of, if you will. I, I, I feel like it was about hitting a refresh on our connection. Yeah. It's like we were disconnected from so many things. We needed to be, you know, like we're in California, it was major, major shutdown. But you know, right. you weren't going to movie theaters. You just weren't going to your health club. You weren't going to nightclubs, bars, if you're in that scene. And all of a sudden, it's like you're at home, you know? And it's, right. I feel like for the body of Christ, it was a call to refresh. And at the same time, you could see where people that had bondages, it, they went deeper into their bondages because of just the weight and the pressure of what was going on around them. You know, the, the Bible talks about because of the fear and anxiety, men's hearts would fail them because of fear. We literally have seen that in emotional crisis. Right. And I feel like the attractiveness of the gospel is highlighted based on the darkness. We're not intimidated by darkness. According to Isaiah 60, it's our summons. It's right. not our cue for despair. It's our cue for display, like arise, shine, your light is right. coming. It's so cool. You got any cool testimonies to give us? Yeah, I, I feel like we have so many because it really is like we are in this harvest season. And I, I honestly, I, I feel like even God's inviting us as a family into revival and leading revival. And I would have never called myself a revivalist um, before. But the thing is, is what we're trying to do is just create that space for people to have that real encounter. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, like I actually want to live for God. And we were planning the first Saturate event. And so the day before we were doing a prayer walk around Huntington Beach and my friend was leading worship and she was just on a guitar. And then one of the girls I discipled, Victoria, was walking around with me. We're just praying and worshiping. Nothing special. There's three girls. And we're walking and praying. And literally, Sean, under the pier, we hear this like loud screeching, like like otherworldly, like really scary, like chills down your spine kind of thing. And we're like, what in the world? And it's like getting louder and louder. And so we're like, let's worship louder. Like we're, mostly because we're terrified. And so we're just singing. We're like, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And we're singing as loud as we can. And the screaming is getting louder. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on. So I go down underneath the pier and my friends are up above the pier worshiping still. I go down there and I see this woman and she's under the pier and literally her hands are gripped like in like a claw-like shape and she's just screaming and she's screaming and I was actually terrified. The woman is a little bit of a bigger woman and I'm like by myself under the pier. Like it's just scary. And 
And uh, I see her and literally all of a sudden, as I went under the pier, I felt the compassion of Jesus, like his love for her just washed over me. And I just ran up to this woman and I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she was like, stop the singing, stop the singing. And I was like, can I pray for you right now? And she was like, no, no, no. And I grabbed her hands that were in this like clawed shape. And I just grabbed her hands. I don't know what came over me. And I just said, she's loves you. I just release you right now in the name of Jesus. I just release you in Jesus name. And I said, just come here, come here. And I grab her hands. And all of a sudden she just lets out this groan and just starts bawling, crying. She all of a sudden becomes like putty. And she, we sit on the side of the stairs and she's literally just holding me, weeping into my arms. I start praying over her, prophesying over her. God's giving me all of this information about her life, about what happened to her in the last few years. And she's like, how do you know this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't. I'm like, but Jesus has never left you. And I know you felt so far from him, but he has never been far from you. He has been waiting for you to just open yourself up to him. And so we pray for her, right? And I was like, we we end up connecting. I end up getting, getting her email address. She didn't have a phone. She was living on the streets. So then the next day, we do the first Saturate event on the beach and we're like down by tower 20 which is like 20 blocks away from the pier we're like the furthest point you could be and i'm preaching the gospel and i'm standing out there with a megaphone all of a sudden i see her walk up and i was like what in the world i see her walk up and she goes jesse jesse and she just screams out my name and i was like oh my gosh i started screaming out her name there's like all hundreds of people at the beach i don't even care that they're there anymore i just start screaming at her name and I'm like, I can't believe you're here. I run out and she just starts weeping and she goes, I don't know why I'm here, but something was telling me to walk to the end of the beach. And I go, do you want to be baptized? And she was the first person that was baptized at our beach revivals. And then hundreds of people ends up getting baptized, following in her footsteps. And she starts preaching to everyone. And she's like, Jesus is real. You need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. She ends up getting fully healed, fully delivered, and then starts going to my in-laws church, getting discipled. She starts reaching the homeless community in Huntington Beach, bringing them to our revival meetings the next week. I'm like, this is like straight out of the Bible. I like couldn't even believe it. And I just was like, this is the hour that we're in where not only will people in bondage be set free, but they'll become revivalists themselves. It's like this rip effect that we're seeing of the Holy Spirit just setting them free. And then it's just like that Legion story where then he's like, now you go and you you stay here and you tell the city what's happened. And we're just seeing that happening over and over and over again. And it's just like addictive. <laughs> you know, I think you that is the operative word. It is so addictive. And that is like the most amazing testimony, Jesse. I was going to tell you, and your obedience, you know, you cross the chicken line and you got to begin here. The Bible says, follow the way of love, yet eagerly yeah. desire spiritual gifts. God has a wavelength, and his wavelength is love. It's compassion, not humanistic love, but agape, God kind of love. And if you get in that right. area of love, then the gifts. And I think we've wanted, people have wanted to be gifted, but the truth right. be told is the Bible lets us 
know the true way to flowing that gift. God, by his grace, can put a gift, you know, a donkey, Balaam's donkey talked to him, you know, <laughs> right. so he, he, he was in a sense that donkey was a prophet for a minute. Uh, <laughs> but in order to truly flow in it, I think you have to have his heart. And Jesse, you exemplify that to such an extent, girl. Let me tell you, I can literally talk to you all day, but here's what I want. I want our listeners to know how they can support you. How can they follow you? I just want to say right now, I highly recommend her book, Wildfire. Go get it from their website or on Amazon. I'm telling you what, this book is what the title is, Wildfire. And I love the revelation of when you study the California wildfires and how it's in that fire that seeds are, are released and germinated that can cause a new growth. And I feel like as a nation and the nation of the world, we've had the yeah. wildfire of, of disease and civil unrest and political division and on and on and on. But I feel like there's a new seeding. So anyway, how can we follow you? How can we support you? What projects? What do you got going on, Jesse? Just just tell our, our listeners. Yeah, I guess I'll give you guys the sneak preview because we're actually announcing it next week. Um, and so it's going to start seeding out. But we've been the last three months just praying and fasting as a team, um, really just waiting on the Lord for our next assignment. I'm one of those like old school people in the sense that like I just can't do something because it's a good idea. Like I have to see it. I have to feel it. And then and then I'll do anything. I don't care what it costs me, but I have to know that it's the Lord. And so um, if you go to saturateglobal.com, um, you can sign up for updates. We have an Instagram account that we do updates as well. Um, but we're actually announcing soon that we're going to be doing a Saturate Revival event in New York City, which I'm stoked about, um, mostly because there's more reports coming out in New York, just crazy stuff that's going on. And for me, I'm like, perfect. This is a prime time for revival. And I just think, I I, I just, I feel like I just want to share this really briefly that I, I do feel like sometimes my husband and I are just a prophetic signpost to other people of what's available to everyone. Like we didn't have this big budget, this big ministry. We just are being faithful. And I just want to tell you, if you're listening to this right now and you're seeing like your city seems dark, your situation seems dark, the things around you seem dark, like seize the opportunity and just realize that you actually are equipped to go into those areas, into those regions and bring hope, bring reconciliation, bring redemption through the blood of Jesus. So we're going to New York City and what we're calling it is basically a gospel raid. And we want to just send people in droves out on the street to share in the gospel, doing buckets of water baptisms, um, working with nightclub owners to rent out some nightclubs and just do some stuff in nightclubs. Um, and then we're also going to be doing another Saturate Revival event um, in North Carolina. And we're looking to get land out here and just kind of do like an open heaven. Like if you're struggling with any kind of depression, suicidal thoughts, um, anxiety, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit or baptized in water, just come and experience that. Um, and then, yeah, I have my Wildfires book and I'm actually working on another book right now, which is a whole other task in and of itself. And you can just kind of follow along on social media. Um, my website's jessiegreen.com. And I'm really active on social media, so I like to just connect. Jesse, you are truly a, a Holy Ghost unicorn. I love the uniqueness. <laughs> 
<laughs> of your heart, your personality. And and here's what I love too. I think a lot of times, unfortunately, there's this face of evangelism that's twofold. It's like a lot of times it's a male face, which I think- Oh, totally. Skip that. Because if you go to any church, majority of people in the church are females. Like men need to catch up. <laughs> you go to the prayer rooms. Majority of people are females. And then you're young. For many people, you and your husband pass the eyeball test. You're both very good looking people <laughs> and very, very- He'll be happy to hear that. Very swaggy. <laughs> but you guys are pure. You preach an unadulterated gospel. You guys are about co- consecration. And so my goodness, Jesse, we believe in you guys and what you guys carry is awesome. Oh, thank you. We love you guys. And I'm just praying that there are more and more people that are just like us on this conversation, just burning, just burning to let the gospel out, to let those rivers of living water to spring out of us. And I just, I'm, I'm excited for the voices that are being raised up right now that just give people that invitation to actually like get their hands dirty in that gospel work and to actually reap the joy that comes from it, just like you shared. And so I just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for everything you guys are doing. We love seeing everything and cheering you guys on. It's just so fun. Man, wasn't that powerful? Oh my goodness. That girl is pure fire. As always, Keep It 100 Tribe, we have the Keep It 100 takeaways. And I just kind of want to talk to you about how do you become a prophetic evangelist? I just want to throw out some things. First of all, you need to make evangelism a personal priority and begin to cultivate compassion for the laws. You need to look at people that you're crossing every single day with compassion and remind yourself, maybe you're the answer to the prayer they've been praying. Maybe you're the answer to the prayer that their grandmama or their dad or their uncle or somebody's been praying for them. And as you begin to intercede and pray for the lost, I begin to realize that more opportunities will come and increase as you're praying for them and looking for them. How do you become a prophetic evangelist? You ask God to make you more prophetic. You attend prophetic conferences. You read books on the prophetic. Uh, and as you are more studied and you become focused, I remember a man of God that was used mightily in healing. And he says, Sean, one of the ways you grow in healing is you have to make it your focus. Obviously, Jesus is our ultimate focus, but you've got to begin to meditate on it. And so ask God to make you more prophetic. Get around the prophetic. Another thing I think about in terms of how do you become a prophetic evangelist, maintain a state of being sensitive and open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that as you become more aware of God's presence, that awareness will put you in position where you're able to hear God's voice. Because you know what? The world needs to hear the voice of its maker and redeemer. And what really happens at the end of the day is you become personified, that voice of their maker, their redeemer calling out to them. How do you become a prophetic evangelist? When you feel the prompting, be obedient. Be obedient. Just step out. Take risks. You feel the problem, hey, put it into play. I I love to say that you have to give expression to the impression to gauge and grow the impression. In other words, when God gives you an impression, all it is is a thought. But when you speak it, it becomes a prophetic, literally, detonation that can, at the end of the day, bring someone in the kingdom and release healing and the power of God on someone. How do you step out and become a prophetic evangelist? You practice by ministering to believers first in a safe environment. Be honest and open. Trust God that he's speaking through you. Ask, get feedback, and just begin to grow through it. And then the final thing I give you, don't let the enemy stop you. No matter what, remember that your persistence will have a great reward. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, you're going to reap that harvest. 
And let me tell you what, the blessings you'll experience will far outweigh the feelings of fear and making a mistake. Finally, you need to keep your heart and life pure and humble. You know, as you grow in the prophetic, you're going to be used of God. It's going to feel so good to feel used of God. It's intoxicating. But at that point, you got to guard against getting puffed up about hearing God's voice. Keep a humility because recognize any given point, you're human, you're fallible, you can make mistakes, but God's grace will far outweigh those mistakes. He wants you to step out even though you make mistakes. And you're never doing it out of the fear of making mistakes. And as the old saying go, if you want to walk on water, you got to get your feet wet. Be determined today, you're going to step out. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Make sure to join us. Next episode, Keep It 100 Tribe, is Krista will join me. We're going to conclude on this topic and give you some game-changing practical keys to walking in prophetic evangelism and leveling up in your ability to be a harvester in this next great awakening. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it